Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Uh, we're in that series, Experiencing God. I will make this little note. The questions for this week are back there on the Guest Connect table. So if you are a host home or a leader, make sure you grab a copy of the questions. Uh, again, you can make as many copies as you want for your team or for your home. Uh, but just uh, make sure you get those. Those are back there waiting on you. So Experiencing God, that's a series we've been in all fall. I've been taking one reality at a time. Uh, kind of looking at that. Uh, today, we're on reality number five. Uh, guys, y'all got that uh, graphic? There you go. So here's what we've done all week. We've looked at all fall. We've kind of looked at this diagram of the seven realities of really experiencing God. And so we looked at the fact that, number one, God's at work. We, we've kind of beat that dead horse to death. God's always at work. Many of you are still going, man, I, I saw God working today at my office, and I, I never really paid attention to this series, so I'm glad you're seeing that. Uh, God's always at work around us. What is he doing? Why is he at work? He's working to redeem his church or his people. He, he wants a relationship with us. After relationship, he wants an invitation for us to join in the do stuff, okay? He wants to invite you to join him in his work. Uh, last week, we looked at God speaks. Uh, we know he speaks. We know that. Okay, he says in his word, I'm I'm sending you a counselor. I'm sending you a helper. And I've said before, if you go to a counselor that you're going to and they don't talk, you need a new counselor. Okay, you got to talk. Okay, so your counselor has to talk. Holy Spirit is going to speak to his kids. Absolutely. So today, I think today, um, crisis of belief is is. Man, it's, it's, it's the hitch pin. It's the rubber meets the road. This is the one, up until this point, it's been pretty nice. Not that this is not nice, but it hasn't required much out of us. We're all like, yeah, God's at work. Yes, uh, I have a relationship with him. He invites me to do his work. I know God speaks. And now you hit a crisis of belief. Crisis of belief, everybody is going to go through a crisis of belief at some size and measure. The question is not if, the question is when. You're going to have a time where what you believe is going to have to stand up and speak. It's got to. You're going to be challenged personally or a phone call will challenge you or a relationship will challenge you or something will challenge you to say, this is what I believe, now it's going to be asked of me. And that's a crisis of belief. So God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. You can't just have faith without action. You just can't do it. I mean, if you're like me, when you... When God brought the girl of your life, of your dreams into your life, 
and you knew you wanted to marry her, dude, you had to have some action. Serious action. Because without action, we're not enough. <laughs> I'm like, baby, you get me. Do I need to say anything more? Yes, you need to say a lot more and do a lot more. I'm like, I'm not enough. You got to have more than just words and, and cards and letters. There's got to be some tangible touch, feel moment. I mean, you got to have action. Without action, what you really say you believe is, is just pointless until it's been called on. God wants a watching world to come to know who he truly is. There's a big difference there. See, the world is watching the church. Do you realize that? He's watching the big church and they're watching the little church. What the world wants to see is not us do church, it's us be church. He wants to see the God that we come and worship each week is he really who he says he is? Is he worthy of my sacrifice? Is he worthy of my worship? Is he worthy of changing the course of my life and my family because he changed your family? You show me that that God changed your family and that'll get my attention. That's what you're looking for. See, today, as great as this book is, they're more interested in your life before that book. Because if you shove this book at them without your life echoing that book, won't mean nothing. But let them see the change of who he really is in you, and they'll give that book a shot. But if your life doesn't echo that book, why should they read that book? If that book didn't change you, why would it change them? That's how they feel. So if that book is that much to you, and that God changed you, then I want some of that. Years ago, I had a gentleman come in our church. And after the church was over, I knew this guy. But I didn't know this guy from church. I knew this guy from sports. And he came up to me and he shook my hand. And he said, you see that guy right there? I said, yeah, I do. He goes, I walked in this church and I saw him and I watched him worship. And I started weeping. He sat back there. He said, if God can change that man, then I want some of this God that's in this house. The only place he's ever seen that guy was at the bar or fighting. And when he saw that dude worship like that, he said, oh, Lord, help. I'm in on this thing. I want in on his church. I want in on that God right there. See, when they see it, when they see him for who he really is, everything else, man, changes. Everything changes. When God asks me to do something I can't do, I face a crisis of belief. I have to decide what I really believe about God. Can he and will he do what he says he wants to do through me? Can God do the seemingly impossible through my ordinary life. You fill in these blanks. Can God blank? See, your blank is different than everybody's blank in here. Some of you may need him in your marriage. Some of you may need him in your family. 
Some of you may need him in your workplace. Some of you may have relationships that not even have anything to do with the church, but they weigh on you. Can God, can God, blank. Fill in the blank here. Will God, (laughs) will God. God, I know you can, but will you? God, I know you can, but will you? The way you respond to his invitation reveals what you truly believe about God, regardless of what you say. How many of you know people that you thought were at this level with the Lord, something happened in their life, and it revealed something you didn't even know about them? You had almost elevated them up here with Peter and James and John. And then God shook them. And instead of them, I mean, absolutely worshiping God and going to another level and demonstrating what you thought was in them, they ran. And they've never been the same since. And then I know people, and I've met people, that I didn't think that was in them. And when I saw them demonstrate what I saw, I was like, wow. Them dudes a lot deeper and a lot, they're deeper with the Lord than I thought they were. You see, emotions will lie to you. There's a lot of houses that look good down the, when you drive down the street. There's very few houses that look good underneath the foundation. The real test of that house is not what's above the ground, it's what's below the ground. That's when it gets tested. God's invitation from Moses to work with him led Moses to a crisis of belief that required faith and action. But old Moses was just like us. Moses offered God numerous objections. You see, what I love about the stories of the Bible, they're not superhuman, they're human. These men that are great men in the Bible, they, they had the same kind of mindsets and struggles that we did. Moses told God all kinds of reasons why God shouldn't pick him. But God wouldn't listen. He said, you're my choice. You're my guy. This moment that we all face, just like they faced, is a major turning point where so many people miss out on experiencing God's mighty power working in and through them. You see, I think we all come to this this line in the sand. There's a time in our life that we we are come face to face with what we believe, with our faith. Our faith is it's called upon. It's, it's required. It's asked of. And we don't really know really what's in us until we're called on it. I mean, I've told you a thousand times, there are very few students in school today who would study if there were no test. Very few. I'm not one of them. 
If I had a syllabus that said, this is a syllabus of the class, one thing you will notice, students, is there are no tests. I'm like, seriously awesome class. This is the best class in the world. And this is your handbook, and you, you can read it if you want to, but there's really not going to be any test out of this book. I'm not reading that book. Do you read that book? I'm not reading the science book. I'm not reading it. Biology? No, I don't think so. Counting? No way. No. Bottom line is, there's a question whether I even come to class. And I'm not trying to tell you a pastor's week. I'm just saying, man, there, there's no test. There's nothing going to call me on the carpet. There's nothing that's going to hold me accountable. There's nothing going to test anything. But God says, in this world, mm, you're going to have trials. In this world, you're going to be tested. I, I, write it, I wrote in my Bible in James, without a test, you only have the monies. You know? Without a test, come on, you only have the monies. But with a test, you have a, come on, church, testimony. <laughs> come on. I mean, seriously, you, you don't know till you're tested. And sometimes we score well and sometimes we don't score well. But here's the deal, man. Open book test. Open book. The reason I don't score well is because I didn't get in the book. If my faith is required of me, the level of my faith is the level of my word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. And I said last week, People that have a faith problem don't really have a faith problem. They have a word problem. They just have a word problem. Because this is demanded of them, and there's nothing in the tank. And some of them can't even find the gas station. Listen, this ain't a coaster. It's not. It's a book for war. And if you know it's a war, suit up and get in it. Because it will be demanded of you. Major turning point for many people from experiencing God is when God and your faith come to a line in the sand. If they can't understand exactly how everything is going to happen, they won't proceed. That is not faith. I've said before, faith is this. Faith is stepping when there's no step. But before your feet land, God, out of the invisible, makes the visible. That's what it says in Scripture. He makes the step for your foot. If he shows you the step before and then asks you to step, it's really not faith. Faith is when you hear the Father and you trust him enough and your faith is great enough for you to step to a God who has not shown you the step yet. And then when you step in midair, your foot lands on a rock and his rock is called Jesus. And he says to you, I will always be your rock. You can trust me to step every time I ask you to step. 
I will never drop my kids. Never. Too many people will not step in experiencing God that way until they can have God show them a step. And God just moves on to the next guy, a woman, who says, I don't need a step. I trust you. I'm stepping. And we miss out on experiencing God because we want God to show us all the steps before we step. He says, no, that's not faith. That's not faith. Many people want to walk with God by sight, not by faith. But to follow God, you have to walk by faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. Hebrews eleven six. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And in order to please God, you must live by faith. Because he says, without faith, it's impossible to please me. So what we have is, we have a whole lot of people that are experiencing me or us or ourselves, but not experiencing God. See, I trust me, but do I trust God? I know what I believe, but do I believe God? I have faith in me, but do I have faith in God? If I'm ever going to get all of God has for me, my faith is going to require me to step to the unknown. It's got to. Otherwise, it's just experiencing me and not experiencing God. Faith is more than just belief. Biblical faith always requires action. I want you to go to your Bible in James chapter 2. James chapter 2. It's a great It's a great series of scripture here. I want you to begin in verse 14, James 2, 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. You show me your faith without deeds, I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God, good. Even demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on an altar? You see, his faith and actions were working together, and his faith was made complete, underline that, his faith was made complete by what? By what he did. You can't have faith without action. And your actions will show you faith. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified 
by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous in what she did when she gave lodging to spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I will tell you, you do not have to go to seminary to understand that. That is as simple as you're going to get it. Without faith, without faith, it's dead. You've you, you got to have deeds. There's got to be actions. Your faith by itself means nothing. Nothing. He says, you can't even get saved without faith in action. You can have faith that God hung on a cross for you, but until you accept him, pray, confess through your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But you're not going to get saved until you profess that with your mouth. You can't walk in the church and be saved. You can't get dunked in water. That's just water. It means nothing without salvation on the front side. All you do is get wet. You must be saved. If, if, if faith and action start at salvation, why would faith and action end after salvation? Doesn't. You say, well, preacher, you're not saved by works. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about on the other side of faith, there must be actions. Otherwise, your, your, your faith is dead. It's just dead. Faith is made complete by what? He did. Habakkuk 3.2 says this. Lord, I have heard your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. And in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. In our day, make them known. You know what the world is dying to see from the church? The real risen God. The real God of Scripture. I mean, are people bored with God because God's boring? No. I think people are bored with God because the God the church is demonstrating is boring. If we're going to believe the God in this Scripture, we need to let the God in this Scripture show himself to be known in church. And then he can be shown out there by the church. But if we're not seeing the God of the Scripture in the church, how, there's no way the God of the Bible is going to be demonstrated outside the church. Unfortunately, we see sometimes the opposite of the God of the Bible in church, and it drives everyone on the outside of the church further away from the church. If someone were to look at your faith, would they want it? If they watched your faith, would they be in awe of God? It says, Lord, I've heard your fame. They don't hear it here. They hear it when they see it in us. They're going to ask about your faith when they see your faith. Is anyone seeing your faith? Faith.
I'm going to give you a really scary, scary thing to do. If you're a married couple sitting here this morning, between now and sunset, I want you to ask your spouse, do you see my faith? Some of you are like, oh, snot. (laughs) I'm serious. Have guts. There's nobody that knows this better than our spouse. Nobody. Nobody. I had a front row seat to my wife's faith. You're going to hear more about crisis of belief with skin on it next week. Can't just talk about crisis of belief until you put some skin on it. Skin is the interpreter or the speaker of faith. Lord, I have heard your fame stand in all of your deeds. I love this. Renew them in our day. Wouldn't that be awesome? Renew them in our day. We have so much church out there, this is just overflow. We have church out there, we come in here, and this ain't church, it's celebration of all the church going on out there. That'd be fun, man. We packed this place out. We didn't have to have cotton candy. We just open the door, here they come. Why? They heard the, they heard the Lord's fame. Winning teams draw big crowds. <laughs> just saying. Psalm 77, 13 and 14. Your ways, O God, are holy. Mm, Listen to this. What God is so great as our God? You are the great God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. You, listen to me. One day... You may have to do more than read a phrase or a scripture that says, you are the God that performs miracles. One day, there may be a knock on your door. Hi, I'm the miracle God. You believe I can do it? Because that's what you need. You believe I can do it? Well, I, I, I think, well, it says in the Bible, I, I don't, I Excuse me, none of those are answers. (laughs) Okay, you're not saying anything. See, I have found that for the majority of people today, they believe in miracles when they get one, when they see one. Otherwise, they just like to say that and believe that. Nothing wrong with saying it and believing it. There's another thing, when you see it or have experienced it, That, my friend, will rock your world and change your life forever. And you never, ever, 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 ever will be the same again. Never. Listen, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My God has not changed. His fame is still the same. His miracle working power is still the same. God doesn't want you and me to merely believe what he says. He doesn't. He wants you and me to obey what he commands.
James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Is your God who he says he is? Do you believe that your God is who he says he is? What does your action say about what you believe? My life is a sum of the responses I've made to God. You believe that? It's true, boy. Once God makes himself known to me, what I do next is my decision about who I really think God is. If we are a product of our choices, then the choices I make on what I think God is and who God is will show. It's proof. I can say a bunch of stuff, but unless my faith drives my action, it's dead. This church is a very unique church. We have a hodgepodge of different relations, I mean, with, with different religions. But we have one thing this house stands on. It's the word of God. And you can be a church of Christ, a Lutheran, Presbyterian, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, bedside Baptist, first mattress. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Some of y'all are still getting that. It doesn't matter, okay? Are you going to stand on this? But not only are you going to stand on this, are you going to step on this? People say, I stand on the word, preacher. Do you step on it? What do you mean? I'm not asking you to stand on it. I know it's an anchor that I hold. But we're moving every day, folks. This world's about moving. This world's about stepping. My life just can't be in a bubble stuck, standing on the Bible. That's a good thing. But I've got to be able not just to stand on God's word, but I've got to be able to step into it and walk it out daily. It's going to be called on me what I believe. My faith has got to be deep enough to take me from what the word says to what I do. I'm going to tell you this. When we went through cancer the second time, first time wasn't real hard. Because it wasn't as big of a deal. It's, I'm not saying it wasn't big. It was big. But 09 wasn't anything like 16. And I'm going to tell you, I struggled. I had a hard time. There were moments, man, that I was not prepared for what my faith was demanding of me. It stretched me. That's a true confession. But it's the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. And we would never trade what we saw and what God did between the two of us. I'm going to tell you, I walked around that old barn out there one day. I wasn't in a good place. I wasn't using really good language describing my God. <laughs> Been there. I'm just being raw here. I, I was not good. And I said, God, I need you to help my unbelief.
And I'm telling you, it's like I was the only one on the planet of the earth. And God just started walking with me. He just all of a sudden just stood right in front of me. He said, Jeff Bonder, I am not going to help your unbelief. I'm going to heal your unbelief. Because once I heal your unbelief, I will never have to help you again. He either is the healer or he's not. And if you have faith that needs a healing and a belief that needs a healing, the healer can heal it. And you'll have faith to move a mountain, my friend. Move a mountain. Our life is a product of the choices I make when God encounters me. My next step, every time, proves what I really say about my God. It does. What's yours say? What's it say? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. The messages have been in this series, what I would call kind of nice up to this point. Not a lot demanded from us, called from us. Crisis of belief, who we say God really is. Reverend Mesa Road, man, it does. Who do you say he is? It's the only thing on the table. I want to pray. We're going to worship. I know the Holy Spirit has spoken. You may not be where you want to be, but you have a big desire to be there. Get there. Before it's called of you, make sure it's in you. Because it's going to be called of you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we know that faith without action is dead. And you're a risen Lord. We sure don't want to advertise you as being dead. So God, I pray for anybody that's sounding my voice who says, my faith isn't where it needs to be. There's no action behind my faith. God, you move them. God, maybe there's somebody here today that says, I have faith that Jesus died on the cross, but I've never put action behind it and accepted him. Today, that's what's called of you. So God, move your church today. You've met us right where we are. But God, may we not walk out the same. May we walk out different. May we say yes to you today. Yes to the Holy Spirit. Whatever it has said to us, may we say yes to you today. Father, we worship. You move us. Move us, Father. You speak through your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.